great. If you want to have a pair of bibles, if you have one, I believe the text will be on the screen. Um, and we're going to read from John 7, starting from verse 1 to 13. John 7. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the worst you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, My time has not yet is not yet here. For you any time will be. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to the festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he has said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, Where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Um, if you've got a Bible, then um, think you could open at John chapter 7. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited today because we're back in John's Gospel. Um, at Mar- March, when we all got locked down, we left John um, and we're back. Um, we're picking up in John chapter 7, which is where we got to. And for the rest of this term, uh, in about Christmas, God willing, we're going to explore chapter 7, 8, 9, 10. Um, and we're going to discover some extraordinary things about who Jesus is. Um, I love John's Gospel because John wrote it so that we could see for ourselves who Jesus really is. And I'm not talking about the Jesus of tradition or the Jesus of ancient art. I'm talking about the Jesus of history, the real Jesus. You see, John spent three years with Jesus. He's one of his disciples. He's an eyewitness of all that Jesus did. And then he wrote it down for us so that we could know it too. But we have to get a hold on just what a precious thing it is that we've got the real Jesus set out for us in John's Gospel. And John didn't just write it so that we go, oh, that's interesting. Here's a window into some ancient history. No, John had a bigger purpose in this. John wrote it so that you would be convinced by what he writes that Jesus is the Messiah. That is, that he is the central point of all human history. He is the one in whom all hope is to be found, the Messiah. And that Jesus is the Son of God. He's a massive claim. And that by believing that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, you would have life in the name of Jesus. That's why 
John wrote his gospel. That's his agenda. You might say, how do I know that? Well, because he tells us in John chapter 20. That was just part of John's gospel. In John chapter 20, John tells us why he wrote. He's not trying to con us. He's not trying to manipulate us. He's completely up front. He says, Jesus is awesome. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. You need to believe in him so that you can have a eternal life. And if John were here today, that's exactly what he'd say to you. You have to believe in this man, Jesus. You have to pin all of your hope on him. And if you're listening to this, or you're watching this, and you say, well, I don't think that much about Jesus. If you don't yet believe in him, if you've not yet trusted him with everything, well, as we read John, hopefully we're going to see in the coming weeks, hundreds of reasons why we must trust Jesus, why we must believe in him. So John is very upfront about his purpose. He's not trying to manipulate us. He wants to believe in Jesus. And we as a church are just the same. We don't want to con you. We're not trying to manipulate you. We want to be completely upfront. That's the agenda. We want you to believe in Jesus. And if you already trust him, we want you to trust him more. We want you to get stronger and deeper and more confident in that faith in Jesus. That is everything that we're about as a church. And the reason is because Jesus is so utterly compelling in his character and in his life. There is no one else like him. He is where life is found. So this afternoon, are you ready to drink deeply of Jesus? Are you ready to listen? Are you ready to feed on him? Are you ready to enjoy him? Do you want to know him more? Or perhaps even as we start this new series in John's Gospel, that would be a great place to start with a part that says, yeah, Jesus, I want that. We call this series, If You Knew Me. Because that's what you need more than anything to know him. So why don't we bow our heads and pray? Let me ask you, find that echo in your heart. Even as you sit here this afternoon, are you ready to ask Jesus, even today, Lord, I want to know you more? Let's ask him. Lord Jesus, we ask that you help us to see you as you truly are. We ask that you help us to listen to these precious words of John, the eyewitness. These words that your Holy Spirit inspired to write for us so that we believe in you. So Jesus, forgive us where we've got some small view. Forgive us where we sometimes we think of you as irrelevant or we ignore you or we don't act as if you're the central point of all of human history. Lord Jesus, we want to know you. We want to see you. We want to believe in you. And we ask it in your presence. So what are we going to see then about Jesus um, today, in, in particular, the, the thing we're going to focus in on, is his refusal to conform to the pressures of the world around him. So you could sum it up like this. If you, this is my big idea of my thought, which is why I remember it as we go home. Jesus will not dance to the tune of this world. That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to play another tune, a more beautiful tune, the music that we desperately need to hear 
Jesus will not follow the rhythms and the fashions of this world. He will not be what people want him to be. He will be what we need him to be. And can I say, when you find someone who is that free, who is free to speak what is true, who is free to not need to conform, you will find someone of real spiritual integrity. You can find someone who is fully trusted. So this afternoon, do you, do you want to be told what is true? That's the gate downstairs. There's a bang outside. There's a gate downstairs. This afternoon, do you want to be told what is true? Or do you want to be told what is nice? And what makes you feel nice? Because if you want to be told what you want to hear, Jesus is not the man. But if you want to be told what is true and life-giving and real and full of hope and joy, then Jesus is the one you must listen to. So Jesus does not follow and dance to the tune of this world. Now look, let's face it, there's so much pressure on us to conform, isn't there? But you know, we feel this all the time, right? This pressure to to believe certain things, to act in certain ways. There are opinions we're supposed to agree with. There are agendas that we're supposed to follow. We face that pressure all the time. In fact, so many of our choices are shaped by that very pressure to conform. He won't fit in. But Jesus is different. He faced the pressure, but he never gave in. Right, now where does that pressure come from? Let's just think about this for a second. We're going to get into the text in a minute. But where does that pressure come from? What is that pressure to conform? Well, to use the language uh, um, of John's Gospel, it comes from the Word. If you just look down the passage we read, we're going to go through it in a minute. But let me just tell you one thing. Jesus' brothers come to him, and they say to him um, in verse 4, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. Come on, Jesus. Show yourself to the world. That is, show the people who really matter. No, they're the ones who need to be impressed. They're the ones who are the gatekeepers. They're the ones who decide what's acceptable and what's not. So, Jesus, go show yourself to the world. And that idea of the world is a huge idea in John's Gospel. To us, it sounds like a very neutral thing, right? The world sounds like it's nice, it's the world. But in John's Gospel, we've got to understand there's a bigger meaning to it than that. In fact, the Bible can use this idea of the world in different ways. So, many months back, back in John chapter 3, the most probably the most famous verse in the whole Bible. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So see, the problem is you've got to understand what does that mean by the world at that point in John's Gospel? What does the world really mean? Well, here's two big ways that that word could be used. Firstly, and this is not difficult, right? This is fairly obvious stuff. Firstly, it could mean this beautiful place that God created. We live in the world. This is our planet. This is our home. This stunning planet. And the Bible is clear that the world is not merely an accident that happens to be here. 
that the world is a place that holds beauty and wonder because it reflects the beauty and majesty of the one who made it. The world is created by God. And we love the world, right? We go, on, we go to beautiful places. Someone is on holiday at the moment in Portugal. I don't know if they'll be able to get home, but they're there at the moment. And they sent me a photo of the sunset. And they said, isn't it beautiful? We love the world. We love the world. And so when we read John's Gospel, it says God loves the world. We say, of course God loves the world, because it's lovely. But that would be to misunderstand what John means when he says the world. And in fact, it would be to rob John 3.16 of its true power. Yes, the world is a beautiful place, to but it's also a hostile place. And that is much more the meaning that John is going for in his gospel. The world stands for a place in rebellion against God. Rather than dance to the beautiful music of our Creator, we have decided to rewrite the tune ourselves. We've taken the beautiful symphony that God has written, and we've ripped it up, and instead we are each trying to write a tune of our own in outright rebellion against God. When an orchestra rebels against its composer, there is chaos. The world, in John's Gospel, stands for humanity in rebellion against God. So now listen, listen to this. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. You see, this is not the obvious. Well, of course he loves the world. It's a remarkable thing that God would love the world. It is a world that needs saving. This is the big message that we've seen in John's Gospel so far. As a quick summary, we're not going to do all of it because there's heaps of stuff, but as a quick summary, you might remember that back in John chapter 1, we're told about Jesus is the Word become flesh, that is God, the Creator, become man. God has stepped into this rebellious world. The composer has come in person. And he stepped into this world not to dance to the tune of this world, but rather to bring people back to the music that they were created for. That's what they were made for. And we've seen how Jesus is both God and man, the Word made flesh, the Lord who's the Lamb. We've seen it over and over again. The identity of Jesus is everything. And we need to see him for who he really is. So let's, let's keep all that stuff in our head. Then I want us to look down at John chapter 7, and I want us to see what's going on in John chapter 7, and, and take that stuff we've seen and think it through. The scene is set in verse um, 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. So Jesus is in Galilee, it's up north in Israel. And he's been to Jerusalem twice in John's Gospel so far. In John chapter 2, he went to Jerusalem and he cleansed the temple and had quite a big argument with the religious leaders of the day. 
Then in John chapter 5, he healed someone on the Sabbath. And he had quite a big argument with the religious leaders of the day. He said, what's going on in Jerusalem is there is an increasing hostility and hatred of this Galilean carpenter place. They're making plans even to kill him. And so Jesus stays in Galilee, up in the north. And then he told another of the festivals approach, the festival of Tabernacles, which of course you know all about. You can't remember the Jews, so please, did you know this? Excellent Old Testament Bible scholars. And what happens is, as this festival approaches, Jesus' brothers come to him. And here's the, we're going to see two big things. Here's the first thing we're going to see. We're going to see that Jesus is not following world agenda. So when we talk about not dancing to the world's tune, that means he doesn't follow the world's agenda. So here come the brothers, uh, verse 2, uh, verse 3. Jesus' brothers said to him. Now, just think about Jesus' brothers for a second, right? Imagine having Jesus as your big brother. I mean, I think it's quite tough, isn't it? You know what it's like if you're, if you're not the oldest sibling. You know what it's like if you've got a brilliant older sibling you've got to live up to. Can you imagine the Christmas card letters each year from Mary and Joseph? Jesus is having another outstanding year. The others are quite disappointed. You know, it's, it's hard, right? It must be hard living with perfect Jesus all the time. But they've watched him grow up. And they've seen his miracles. And they've seen the stir that's going on around Jesus. They can see that he's got a crowd following him. They can see there's something going on. So they come and they give Jesus some career advice. Remember your career advisors at school? Well, here come the career advisors for Jesus. They can see he's got some talent, he just needs a bit of help making the most of this opportunity he's got. So they come to him and they say, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the work you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. Can you hear what they're saying? Listen, Jesus, if you're serious about becoming famous, if you want to become a public figure, if you're serious about building your reputation, you need to adopt a new strategy. This obsession with Galilee is not going to get you anywhere. You need to get on the campaign trail. You've got to get out. You've got to put on a show. Show the people what they want to see. Let them see your work. They'll flock to you. You need to be more public. Make a bigger splash. You need a promoter, an agent, publicity. It's the world's agenda, right? If you want to be president of the United States, which I'm assuming that no one in this room does, well, I mean, yes, um, you don't stay in one place. And by the way, in secret, you get out on the campaign trail. Imagine if the candidates for the presidential election coming up just said, Actually, I've got a new strategy. We're just going to stay at home. The next two months, we'll stay at home. Keep on that and try and stay in secret. It may be a good strategy, but it's not the strategy that's going to get you any 
fractured. You've got to give the fans what they want. You've got to hold rallies. You've got to stir the crowds up. People want to see the world. And let's face it, Jesus got some good tricks up his sleeve, right? Water into one, feeding 5,000. Come on, Jesus, do a few of those. This thing's really going to take off. He's got a sense of the confusion, frustration in his brothers. He's throwing it away. This is his shot. This is his moment. And he's throwing it away. So then John gives us a little side note in verse 5. He says, even his own brothers did not believe in him. You see, all that stuff that they're saying to Jesus comes from a place of unbelief. That is, it comes from a place of the world's agenda. It comes from the world's tune. This is what you should be doing. I don't think John means that they don't believe he's got power. They know he's got power. They've seen it. They believe he can do miracles. What Jesus means is that they don't believe. They don't believe that he's the Son of God. They don't trust him. They don't want to listen to him. They don't believe he's the one who's come to save the world. They don't get it. And so they give him this terrible career of advice. And Jesus faces this pressure and he refuses to do what he does. He will not dance to the world's tune. The world in rebellion against God that said, No, we want impressive people. We want fame. We want success. We want to be impressive. Jesus won't dance to that. He's not come to amuse the crowd. Listen, if you're looking for an entertainer, you're going to be very disappointed. Because Jesus has something far bigger and far more important in mind. He's got something far bigger than political power. He doesn't want to be the President of the United States of America. He's got something bigger in mind. He will not follow the world's agenda because he has another agenda, a greater agenda. He has come for a specific work. And that's why he says in verse 6, My time is not yet here. That's another of those key phrases in John's gospel. Jesus says, not now. It's not now. Yes, there is an hour. There is a moment. There is a time that Jesus has come to. Jesus knows what he is doing. He's supremely and absolutely in control, and he will not allow anyone to snatch the agenda from him. And what is his hour? His hour is not turning water into wine. His hour is not feeding 5,000. His hour is not a moment of great glory. Is the hour that he's talking about is the moment when he will die. That's his time. Now, one of the careers advice of the brothers seems so obscure. They're saying, Go for glory now, go for power, go for fame, go for success. And Jesus says, No, I have another hour. It is the hour of suffering, death. That is the only way to save this world. Remember, God so loved this world that He gave His one and only Son. 
is Jesus going to save this rebellious world who's going to die on a cross? That's his power. He's crystal clear and no one will stop him from going to the cross to die. This is important for us to get our heads around. Because we can so easily get caught up in the world's agenda. We can so easily get caught up in this desire for success and for fame. We can so easily want to dance to the tune of passing exams and being the best and being awesome, giving everything in order to succeed. But Jesus says that there's another tune. There's better music. There's another agenda to live for. God is the great composer. His music is beautiful. Would you let God set the agenda of your life? Will you let Him be the one who sets the rhythm and the beat of your life? Will you follow like Jesus followed? The world's agenda is all about now, seizing the moment now, taking it now. Jesus says, no, there's an hour to come. Jesus followed his Father's plan, even to the place of suffering, because he knew it was the way to life. In Psalm 33, sorry about saying this, you can listen. In Psalm 33, um, it, there's this real contrast between kind of the agenda of the world and the agenda of God. He says, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of the heart for all generations. The agenda of this world, it doesn't last. The agenda of this world comes and then it goes. But God's plans, God's purposes, God stands forever. So Jesus stands as the one who did not seek to follow the world's agenda. Secondly, Jesus did not seek the world approval. Look what he says next in verse 7. These are so good words. I mean, this is, these are so good words, right? This is the real Jesus. This isn't the cutie cutie Jesus. This is the real Jesus. This is what he says. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. Remember what I said about the world? Jesus says, the world will hate me. See, the brothers are wanting Jesus to go and amaze the world. Don't amaze the world with your great deeds. But Jesus knows the world is never going to be wowed by him. Because in order to save the world, he will first testify that the world is evil. He must testify that the world is in serious danger. Because if you don't need saving, then someone who comes to save you makes no sense at all. If someone runs in here right now and says, I've come to save you, you go, nice of you. From what? And so in order to be the failure of the world, you have to know the desperate danger you're in. So here comes Jesus, the Word made flesh, who comes to testify that there is a serious problem in our world, a serious problem in our hearts. Because we love to be affirmed, right? We love to be told that we're great. We love people who agree with us. I think this is why Twitter is so popular. Because you can follow all the people that you agree with. 
And then you read their opinions and go, oh yes, you're right. And you follow some people you don't agree with just to make you feel better about your opinions so that you can gather up with all your other friends who you agree with and end up how wrong they are. We love to be affirmed. We love everyone to agree with us. So here comes Jesus and he says, your works are evil. And we go, whoa, 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 hang on. That's a bit strong. Even for Twitter, that's a bit strong. See, our definition of evil is a little bit narrower than that, isn't it? Evil is a... Like, that's reserved for the really bad stuff. We have other words for more trivial offences. Bit naughty. That's nice, isn't it? Evil, isn't it? Being a bit naughty. You know, if you say, you know, little Billy at school is a bit naughty. If you, say, if you go to his parents' evening and they say, I think Billy is evil. I think you think, Whoa, hold on, hold on. He's a little bit naughty. He's got some issues, that sort of stuff. But that's because we want to avoid the seriousness. I wonder this afternoon, would you let Jesus testify to you about this world, about your life, that all works for evil? This is the real Jesus. Can I say, if you meet Jesus and you find that he affirms everything that you think, I may suggest you've not met the real Jesus. If he sits with the music you're playing, if he simply sits in the corner of your life and hums along, you haven't met the real Jesus. Because Jesus will show us something about the true state of our hearts. There is something seriously wrong. Jesus came to testify that the works of this world are evil. He did not come to win approval. He came to show what is true, and he was hated for it. Now, let me just say this. I'm going to be really careful about this. And this really struck me as I was preparing this issue. There's a lot of talk at the moment about hate speech. And I think this is the sort of thing that today in our culture would qualify as hate speech. To tell someone that their works are evil sounds to me like the sort of thing that people would go, oh, no, that's hate speech. We've got laws about that. You can't say that stuff. I want to suggest that that's completely wrong. What you see in Jesus is the model of someone who is able to speak truth with absolute and perfect love. This is love speech, not hatred. Now, I want to be the first to admit that there are people who speak hatefully, and even those who speak in the name of Christ who speak hatefully, and who speak what might be true, but they speak it out of a place of hate, not out of love. We must have nothing to do with that. But the answer is not to say, well, let's just affirm everyone and say that everyone's okay and everything's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all right. That is not loving. What you have in Jesus is a model of perfect love. So let me ask you this. If you 
you are going to speak of someone and say that you think their behavior is wrong, even evil, are you also willing to lay down your life and die for That's how Jesus did. Jesus spoke to the world and said, your works are evil, and then he went to a cross to die. That's how you know that he loves you. So let Jesus speak truth to you. Let Jesus tell you the truth about your life. Let Jesus play you the song that you desperately need to hear. Let Jesus show you what he was truly made for. Don't resist him. Don't hate him. Don't reject him. Instead, listen to him. He's come from God to play the music of the Creator so that we might understand where life might be truly found. But it starts with us seeing how wrong we are. And so Jesus says to his brothers, as they try and give him this advice, he says, I will not speak the world of privilege. Jesus doesn't dance to the tune of his world. And so often, brothers go down to the little party in Jerusalem. It would have been a great time to launch a kind of political campaign, but Jesus says no. And then you go to verse 10, isn't verse 10 weird? Jesus says, I'm not going to speak, uh, I'm going to stay here. Verse 10, however, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. I think he said he won't go. No, Jesus said he wasn't going like they told him to go. Jesus, I'm not going to make a public fanfare. I'm not going to put on a display of miracles. I'm not going. But he does go secret. He goes to the feast. And interestingly, when he gets to the feast, he doesn't do miracles. He stands up and preaches. You see that next week? He doesn't give the people what they want. He gives the people what they need. They need to hear the tune of their creator, and they need to listen and bow down and worship. And at the feast, they're all questioning about Jesus, verse 11, they're watching for Jesus, where is he, and they're whispering about him. Some say he's a good man, others say no, he's deceiving people. But there's a fear. Because the crowd is still dancing to the agenda of the world. The crowd still care what other people think of us, so they're going to whisper about us. Because we don't want anyone to think badly of us. And if we still dance to the tune of this world, we will never get in line with Jesus. If we still follow the world's agenda of fame and success, if we still seek the world's approval and we want people to like us, we will never get in line with Jesus. We'll just be whispering as we go in. So, this afternoon, as we wrap this up, I want us to see Jesus. Jesus is the man who comes, the composer himself, who comes to sing the better tune that we desperately need to hear. We need to let him set the agenda. We need to seek his approval of our lives because it's only there that we will find love. So this afternoon, I wonder, where do you stand with Jesus? And maybe you say, I, I, I've never followed Jesus. I've never trusted him for myself. What a great afternoon it would be this afternoon to say, Jesus, I want to walk and step with your tune. I want to listen to you. You love me enough to tell the truth to me about what I'm really like. 
going to get in line with you. We can do that for the first time. Or maybe there's some of us who, we've sort of been following Jesus, we've been believing Him, but we've been sort of whispering half-hearted, we're still obsessed with the world and wanting approval from the world. And Jesus says to himself, come on, get in line with me. I see a better tomb in the world. My tomb is more satisfying, more eternal, more lasting, and more fulfilling than anything this world has to offer. Get in line with me. So will you give up on the world's agenda? Give up on the world's approval and come to Jesus and follow life. Why don't we bow our heads and pray? And perhaps this afternoon there's something particularly that you want to come to Jesus and ask him to, to show you what to do for you. So let's bow our heads and pray today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that in this gospel we meet the real Jesus. Father, thank you so much that you love this world, this rebellious, hostile world. Thank you that you don't condemn this world, but instead you sent your Son. The composer himself comes in person so that we might know you. Lord, we pray that we would abandon the agendas of this world, abandon the approval of this world, and instead seek Jesus as the one 